Yeah. So what? Let, we can go ahead and actually just get started with you guys introducing yourselves, uh, letting everybody know, um, like, a, there's a little bit about your personal background and then also the Filmland background. Uh, and then I'll have some kind of more specific questions ab- about Filmland uh, that I'm excited to learn about. Okay. Go, Troy. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> hey, my name is Troy Bolotnik. I'm the founder and CEO of Filmland Spirits. I live here in Los Angeles where the company is based, although we do all of our work in Kentucky. I have a background, a very varied background in, in the entertainment industry, in corporate, um, done a lot of creative work and um, a lot of uh, technical work as well. Yep. And I'm Charlie Flint. I'm uh, one of Troy's co-founders. I'm responsible for operations at Filmland. Uh, my background is <laughs> kind of like Troy's, a little bit all over the place. Um, I actually started my career in in the Army um, and then moved to Los Angeles. We can get to it in a minute, but where um, I worked in the entertainment and internet industry for a number of years uh, before transitioning into um, digital marketing. And then now obviously work for a whiskey brand. You guys have resumes, man. <laughs> You've got a, a background. That's a very then... polite way of saying we're old. Yeah, you don't want to see no, my LinkedIn. No. <laughs> a lot of scrolling. <laughs> you can be old and have, you know, 65 years in one industry. I'm talking about the the variation there. I mean, that's awesome. I'm really excited to hear about the journey there because I, I spoke with you guys briefly at the Kentucky Bourbon Festival. Um, loved the way your labels looked. And then immediately I was like, this is a this is a cool booth. And uh, thankfully, the guys over at uh, the Film and Whiskey podcast knew you already. And so they were like, oh, yeah, come come talk to Charlie and Troy. And I was like, sweet. I'll let, you know, I'm, I'm excited to hear the background. Um, so I got a bit of that background, but I really want to dig into it a little bit. Uh, you guys decided to combine your love for movies with your love for whiskey. Where on your journey to this point did you did you fall in love with the first of those things? Was it film first or was it whiskey first? Uh, and and just kind of walk me through those resumes that we just talked about. <laughs> so um, I guess Troy, if you want to start, sure, t- yeah. walk me through what you fell in love with first. Right. Well, it was. Definitely movies because I couldn't drink when I was six. <laughs> I was I was waiting for Troy to tell the story of sitting on his grandpa's lap drinking whiskey, right? <laughs> yeah, that, right. that didn't happen. That didn't, no, I fell in love with movies uh, very early on. The first movie I can remember, Charlie always says this is my favorite movie. It's not. It's just the first movie I can remember was uh, seeing seeing in the theater was Logan's Run. Um, okay. Way back when in the m- mid seventies when I was a little kid and I just, I was enthralled because I was entertained I, and I was terrified all at the same time. And that really started it. And I decided that I remember deciding at that age, I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to write movies. And I just started writing uh, plays and scripts for like my classmates at school and making my classmates put on plays and things like that. And just fell in love with writing in the movies, you know, whiskey came later. So whiskey came um, probably uh, almost 10 years ago, maybe a little more than 10 years ago, just started. Charlie and I have known each other for almost 30 years and we've been friends, friends that that whole time. And he lives in Atlanta. I live in L.A. And we both just kind of started getting into bourbon separately, like without even really talking about it, even though we talk all the time. And then when we realized we were both getting into it um, and maybe this was 2011, 2010, somewhere in there we decided to start meeting in Kentucky every year. We called it our pilgrimage to the motherland. And so we would meet 
and go for like four days at a time, usually sometimes five. And we'd go to like between four and six distilleries a day, which is not, it sounds like, oh, okay, that is not easy to do and requires a no. lot of planning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have, we have spreadsheets, a spreadsheet. Yeah, and we've never told this story, but we have a spreadsheet called distillery mania. And it's how we would, it's a Google share that we would plan our trips, but we would go to these distilleries like crazy people and, you know, so many a day. And then we just fell in love with it. We fell in love with the the bourbon and the culture and the cocktails and the people, and especially the art and the science of it all. Wow, that is quite the story. So now let's dig in because you mentioned a few things that I think maybe we'll cover as Charlie talks about his background here. Because you mentioned you started off in the military. Is that correct, Charlie? Uh, yeah. And as an adult, yeah, going out of college, I, I went into the Army for five years. Yep. Okay, so so I, I'm real. I, I have questions I want to ask, but I want to let you go first. So I apologize. I'm jumping the gun here because I'm getting excited. Uh, <laughs> walk me through how you fell in love with movies and or whiskey, uh, and, and and how that journey went for you. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, besides having been in the military myself, I was an army brat. So my dad was in the military, and we grew up moving all over the world. And that usually meant that um, you know we were on an army base somewhere, often abroad. And the TV, you know, like our TV options were limited to like one TV station, the, you know, the armed forces network, right? So whatever was on AFN um, and, and it usually wasn't interesting or relevant for a kid. So the movie theater on base was where, especially on the weekends, they always made a point of showing kid appropriate stuff, you know? So in the evenings, they'd probably have, um, you know, whatever was the adult relevant movie at the time, but during the day, it was matinees. And so that was the escape. That was getting to stay in touch with kind of American culture, see the things that all the kids who had just moved over would be talking about, whatever, Star Wars or something like, you know, like that might happen to be playing and, you know, we would hear about but wouldn't know about. So used to love going to the to the movie theater in particular as a kid, being able to to see that. And then it just kind of evolved. I mean, I was um, I didn't know I wanted to be a writer kind of the same way that Troy did. I, you know, I went through, um, my, like my college degree was in international relations, but all through high school, all through college, I would write, but I was writing for myself. I wasn't writing screenplays. I was just writing. And then I went in the military. And when I got out of the military, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, but I, I went to work for a small college in Indiana and it was kind of early days of the internet. And I started teaching myself how to code and was, you know, like learning about the internet and back at that time, Troy and some partners had created one of the very first pieces of entertainment on the Internet called The Spot. It was basically Melrose Place or a you know, soap opera on the Internet. Um, got a ton of buzz for the time that it was in. It got a ton of traffic for the time that it was in. And so I kind of, for fun, to teach myself, wrote myself into their storyline. And, and they called me up one day. I'm sitting at you know, my office in Indiana. And they called me up and were like, hey, do you want to come to L.A. and work for us? <laughs> and I was like, well, this is a bit of a stretch. I've never met you. I don't know you. You know, for all I know, you're a bunch of weirdos working out of, a, you know, a garage somewhere. And so they flew me out. And they were a bunch of weirdos working out of a garage somewhere. <laughs> but I took the leap and moved to L.A. And that's how Troy and I first met, like he said, 30 plus years ago. And, and where I kind of transitioned into actually starting to work in entertainment adjacent. And then ultimately, Troy and I wrote, began writing together, you know, wrote a number of things together, whether it was film or t 
TV or just, you know, general concepts. And now of course we write ideas for, for our, for our products, for our whiskey products. Wow. I mean, what a, it's one of those journeys that you hear and it sounds like, what are the odds of that? But then as you're living it out, you're like, of course, this is, this is what's happening. But you look (laughs) back and you're like, I mean, what are the odds of that? You know? Right. So then you mentioned about 10 years ago or, or about 2011, if I remember, was about when you guys started getting into whiskey and that happened separately. So walk me through you move out to LA, you're working with Troy and his team. Um, and then you guys work, walk me through when you stopped working together, but kept in touch, uh, like, like what was going on through that period. Uh, and it sounds like then you guys both got into whiskey or, or bourbon in that period as well. Yeah. So, uh, I'll start Charlie and then I'll pass it to you. Sure. Um, we, we had the, uh, the internet episodic show that I created with some partners that Charlie was talking about. It was, it's funny. It was uh, 1995 when we created it. So the web was only a couple of years old and most people didn't know what the internet was yet. We had the biz- the biggest, most trafficked site on the internet for a while, which at that time was 250,000 unique users. But it, you know, we were, we were giants in a tiny pond and we got a lot of press coverage at the time. And, but you know, most people don't remember what it is uh, now. But uh, it was kind of revolutionary at the time, and it was purchased by a joint venture between Intel, CAA, and Gray Advertising at the time. And so we sold it to them, and then we actually left, and myself and my partners founded a new company and did it again, and Charlie came along and worked at that uh, new company. Then we sold that company to America Online, which was the biggest player in the internet back in the mid to late 90s. And we, we built a whole nother entertainment division for America online. And there was some top level politics that happened and budgets got cut. And they came to us and said, look, this amazing thing you just built where you've exceeded your goals in half the time we expected, there's no more budget for it. So we're going to have to shut the whole thing down. And I think that lead, you know, I went on to form another entertainment venture with my partners, but Charlie, you then. Yeah, that's really when I got into digital marketing, which I mentioned earlier. So, you know, that's when I diverged and went down a separate path and started working in digital marketing. Um, but we stayed in, we were, you know, we had become friends at that point. We, you know, we're, we were hanging out on the weekends. And that's when Troy and I started writing together for for fun, really. I, you know, we wrote a number of screenplays together. So we'd get together, you know, nights or weekends or do it separately and then email to each other and then have you know, follow up to compare notes, you know, so sometimes we work together, sometimes we work separately. Um, But that's what, honestly, that's when probably when we started writing together the most. Um, I thought you were going to say that's when we started drinking together the most. Drinking together the most. (laughs) 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 We we weren't into whiskey then, but we would go out, we were, you know, it was our friend group and we would go out every Friday and Saturday night. And there was a lot of carousing going on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But um, so we we wrote together a number of things and then we we ended up forming another entertainment company, actually, like we don't have to go through the entire resume, but formed another digital centric entertainment company. And there we created um, and sold a couple of TV series and um, and then, you know, like this was going into 2000, the Internet entertainment. Well, the Internet in general crashed. And so we we wound down that company um, and I decided I, I had a kid and decided it was time to like 
Hollywood, I'd had enough of Hollywood, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I, I knew that entertainment wasn't going to be a career for me. And if I was going to be in digital marketing, then I didn't necessarily need to be in Los Angeles, especially since I had had a kid and wanted to find, you know, pastures with more affordable um, real estate, right? So I moved to mm-hmm. I moved to Atlanta at that time. And that's kind of where I've lived ever since. Um, and then, yeah, like, tr- you know, Troy and I stayed in touch over the years, even, even after we had kind of moved to separate coasts. I think over the years, we still wrote a couple of things, especially earlier on for fun together. Um, and then, like he said, we, you know, we remained friends the entire time. I won't go through it beat by beat, but I moved to China. I took a, I took a couple of jobs internationally during this period. This period, I lived in England for a while. I, I moved to China for five years. And that's kind of where I first started getting into into whiskey with any kind of in, in any kind of meaningful way because um, the in China there's a, a a very common spirit. It's the number one consumed spirit in the world. It's called Baijiu, and it's very distinctive to the American palate. It's um, pretty funky, has a very strong flavor. Most foreigners don't, most non Chinese don't necessarily love it, um, but it's ubiquitous in China. And so what would happen is, and when you go out to dinner with Chinese, whether it's friends or, or, or work dinners or whatever, that they love to try to get the foreigner hammered on, <laughs> on, on by Joe. By Joe. And so what would happen is when I would come back to the U.S., I would load up on American whiskey and I would take it back to China with me. And then when I would go to, you know, meals and they were like, let's bust out the by Joe and drink all of this we can and watch you get sick. I'd go, well, let's drink American whiskey instead. Right. And it was, and so, um, and back in those days, I started with Jack and then back in those days, you could actually find Weller. And so I started taking Weller and like Weller black, you know, Weller 12 year. And that was kind of my go-to was I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to take, you know, Weller black label and, and give, and everybody loved it. And they would drink it and they'd get sick because their palates weren't used <laughs> to it, but I was slowly adjusting to whiskey. And then when mm-hmm. I moved back to the U.S., I just kind of that then became something I was really interested in. And I started, you know, going to some distilleries locally. And then Troy and I very quickly circled up with one another and started taking the trips that he mentioned earlier. And he and I both built up, you know, ridiculous, um, like a lot of people that that have this as a hobby. We built up huge, collect. you know, I know people with way bigger collections in mind, but reasonably sized collections. And, you know, we're yeah. running around on the weekends and nights chasing you know, chasing bourbon just like everybody else, um, until it evolves from a from a hobby into a into a business. Wow! I mean, I I that story fascinates me for a lot of reasons. So, first of all, I think especially since it's dry January, there's a really cool parallel to draw here with one of my favorite aspects of whiskey or with my favorite aspects of bourbon is, is it brings people together and it's, it's something that we can all have in common. If we, if we have differences during the day, we can come together and have a glass of bourbon and it's a reason to get back together with people to hang out with them. It's a reason to talk to them. And I think it's really interesting that for you guys, after you had that split for a while, just in location, you know, writing and movies was that link for you guys, which I, I really find interesting because I'm coming from a perspective where that wasn't, you know, that's not a part of my life. But I'm, I also do want to get into how you guys got into whiskey. So I love that story. That, that is the most unique way I've heard somebody getting into whiskey. I think is that you were in a foreign whiskey world saved and... me many, many times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, 
and I, I'm still jealous about you uh, getting Weller 12 easily. But those were the good old days, age, my friend. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I missed, I missed a lot of the good old days. But, uh, but Troy, so how did you find yourself getting into whiskey? And then at what point did you guys start talking about it, or like? Was there like a glass shatter moment where you're like, wait, you're you're drinking a lot of bourbon, too. I've been drinking a lot of bourbon. I'm I'm interested in that story. Yeah. So um, around the time, probably Charlie was still in China. Um, I in, a, in another business I had that I that I later sold before we did this. Um, just a couple of things happened in a row. I got invited to a very good friend's destination wedding in Florida. And it happened, it was, I can't remember the name of the hotel. It was a very fancy hotel, but there was like a bourbon and steak restaurant in the hotel. So we went to dinner and people were drinking bourbon. I'm like, well, I don't really drink a lot of bourbon, but you know, I wanted to fit in or whatever. <laughs> so I tried it and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Okay. Didn't think about it a lot more. Then like a month later, I, I went to a trade show for the industry I was in and it was in Denver and they happened, they took us to a restaurant that happened to have like a bourbon tasting table there. And, um, at that point, I started like tasting like they couldn't drag me away from the bar. I was just sitting there tasting. I'm like, what about that one? What about that one? And I wasn't getting like drunk or anything because I was just tasting little bits. And I was like, this stuff has flavor. This has character. This is like better than drinking wine. Like there's more to this. And then then for that same company, I had a, a, a business trip to New Orleans and I invited I have my business partner and I went, but I invited Charlie to come meet me there. So as the business part was ending, he would meet me there and we would uh, um, hang out together. And we did. And I think it was then there. I was like, you're into bourbon. And you're like, you're into bourbon. And uh, and then it, it became like a Sazerac battle. We were determined to drink Sazeracs at every single restaurant in, right. in like New Orleans. But and I think that might be the first distillery we actually went to together, which wasn't bourbon, but it no. was a rum distillery, rum distillery in New Orleans. Yeah. That we that was the first one. We were like, what do you want to do today? And I'm like, well, I think Charlie, because he's the planner, was like, is a distill. So we went to it, and it was really neat. It was really cool. And we we're like, oh, we should we should do this more. And then I think after that, we started planning our first trip to Kentucky. That is awesome. I love the idea of those trips to Kentucky, and I I can't even imagine the planning behind them because I, when I take a trip, I feel like I have to jam stuff in, in order to see the people I need to see, and it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, that many is. distilleries in a day. I can't even imagine. Yeah, but oh, that go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say over the years, we've had people that, you know, friends that would be like, Oh, I'd love to join you guys. And we're like, all right, well let's show you the spreadsheet. So, you know, what we're signing you're you know, you're signing up for. And without fail, they're all like, Oh no, I'm not, like, I'm not, right. I'm not this, doing that. With this you. is not a casual venture. Like if no. lunch needs to be skipped to fit in another distillery, lunch gets skipped. Oh, we usually <laughs> get skipped. It's, a protein, it's yeah. a protein bar on the road between Lexington and Louisville. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I think it would have to be that way to fit in all those yeah. distilleries, but it's, it's so gorgeous down there and there's just so much yes. to see it. It truly doesn't get old. But well, it was on one of those trips that that um, we were driving between Lexington and Louisville, and I was staring out the window because he always drives, and uh, I was looking at the cows and the pastors going by, whatever, and just something hit me, and I turned to him, and I remember saying, "We have to do our own brand. We have to do this one day," and that was probably well, no, now it's probably six or seven years ago, but it was a few years after that that we got started on it. Yep. That's exactly what I was curious about. Now, at that point, did you know it was going to be movie based or did you just want to develop a bourbon and then the movie came later? No. So I, I wanted to do a brand. I mean, we talked about distillery brand. We talked about all different combinations. 
And, you know, but I was like, Charlie's in Atlanta. He's got kids. My kids were younger then. We're like, we're, neither of us are moving to get to, into Kentucky together or in the same state. And we came up with this idea of doing a, you know, a bi-coastal brand kind of thing. Um, we'd actually called it bi-coastal bourbon at one point. I've never told anybody that. Yeah. And, oh, um, just got stolen. Thanks, Troy. Yeah. Somebody's about to launch that. <laughs> yeah, like... Right. And um, I think somebody's already got an email there like that. But, uh, and, and so I played with that. We wrote, started writing plans up and things like that. And it just, I had other, we both had other jobs. And, and then one day I was talking to another friend of mine, uh, Rick, who is also a podcast host. And he, um, he started helping me like develop the idea. And we were, we came up with a million different ideas. And as soon as we'd have an idea, I'd call Charlie and he'd tell us why it was good or bad or whatever. And then he'd give a bunch of ideas. And then just one day, like really, cause we'd come up with an idea and then find out somebody else already had something similar or the trademark was taken or the URL was taken or whatever. And then one day we're sitting there kind of like a little bit frustrated and Rick just started interviewing me and he started asking me about stuff. And I started talking about writing in the movies and he stopped me and he said, you know, the passion you're talking about writing in the movies is the same passion you talk about whiskey. And he's like, let's find a way to do them together. And like Filmland spirits, like, you know, we were like movie land, movie time, movie land, film, film land. And it just came. And then rise of the robots came like right after that, the name for it. And we just, cause we knew Rick and I had hit a point where we knew we wanted to do colorful, fun labels that stood out because I spent a lot of time in, you know, the aisles of total wine and other stores like that looking and going, well, rum is fun. Tequila is fun. Vodka is fun. Wine is fun. People buy based on the label, or at least they get intrigued by it. You know, the, the liquid's got to be good to buy again, but the whiskey aisle, it's all kind of beige and Brown and pictures of dogs or birds or old men or something like that. And I thought, why can't we have a whiskey that stands out with really fun labels, but also be really high quality um, stuff. And so once we connected Filmland with colorful labels, I thought, well, how do we, how do we have a, like an endless playground, like an endless canvas to, to keep creating with that. And we were like, well, B movies are, B movies are kind of fun and outrageous. So that kind of goes together. And then boom, I was thinking of the, the rhythm of how B movie titles are like attack of the killer tomatoes. There's always like too many words in it. Right. Yeah. And that's where Rise of the Robots actually was originally Rise of the Robot uh, Bartenders. So because it was uh, Rise of the Robot Bartenders, it had that rhythm. We ended up having to take bartenders off because it didn't fit on the label. OK, <laughs> but, um, but that's that's how that all come. And then called Charlie and like, I think we got it. And he's like, he couldn't poke holes in it. I remember that. I'm like, come on, tell me why it's bad. And he like couldn't poke it. He's like, wait, I don't know. I think that's pretty good. And then it just, you know, then I sat down and spent three or four months of my life writing a business plan and then <laughs> got on zoom and started raising money. Wow. And now what year was this all happening? Um, it was 2020, uh, okay. right, uh, during COVID. So I was at another gig and I left that gig in like July of 2020, took a month to like kind of clear my head and then started meeting with Rick almost on a daily basis. We did it in his backyard and, uh, probably came upon the three months or so later came upon the, like it was December when I think we started talking about film land. And then I wrote the business plan in January and started raising money in March. Wow. So, wow. There's a lot to, I mean, that's so interesting. <laughs> I, I think the biggest thing that I'm taking away from that, that both your guys' stories that I really enjoy is that writing was a passion for you guys. 
whiskey was a passion for you guys and they neither one of them were was really like let's use that to make profit off the other so it, it wasn't like i like writing movies whiskey's big right now i don't even really like whiskey but let's let's make a whiskey brand and, and you know make something and it wasn't you know i'm really into whiskey and but i want to start a brand and i just you know I need some flair. People like movies. Let's do movies. It, they were both like like passions for you guys, which makes me yeah. curious, Charlie. When Troy calls you up and he he says, "Oh, we we came up with it. It's going to be Filmland. We're going or maybe he didn't have the name yet, but we're going to do movies and whiskey." What was your reaction to that? What what was going through your mind? Yeah, like Troy, one of my superpowers is I'm able to take, and we've done it over the years. It goes back to when we first started coming up with entertainment concepts and then movie and TV ideas is I'm able to write like the negative review headline for something. So, you know, like if it's whatever, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, I can envision in my head like the bad Rotten Tomatoes review saying like Attack of the, this is a bad example, but Attack of the Boring Tomatoes or whatever, right? And so right. when when Troy throws stuff at me, I can usually come up with like the negative review title. And yeah, when he came, when he called and, and started talking about Filmland, I was like, all right, well, I can't like, crap all over this i can't come up with any you know like i can't find my negative review i feel like this is solid um which you know wasn't the case with some of the things that we've kicked around over the years before it so so yeah that's you know like it was like this sounds fun it ties into it ties into the passions that we have it ties into our backgrounds and our experience so it kind of just took on a life of its own after that really it, it just began to roll so that's that's where I started to get curious about your creative process. And that's what I, I'd really like to talk about next is you've got movies and you've got whiskey. And how did you, as you move forward, especially when you started developing the first one, how did you relate the two? And were you looking for a storyline to fit like the flavor profile or just the overall aesthetic of the whiskey? Or were you, did you have this kind of B-movie in mind? And so then you're doing tastings and you're, you're sourcing out whatever you want to use and you're trying to come up with something that, that just felt right for the movie. How does that creative process work? It, it, it kind of like we always say kind of glibly, like the, the liquid is the story and the story is the liquid. Right. And we say there's no set rule like it has to be story first and liquid. Um, it's for the most part, it's been story and then the liquid. Then we find a liquid to match it. But we also have some stuff coming in the future that was liquid that we created a story for. Um, and one of the bottles you're sitting there was kind of a it, meet in the middle. Our town at the end of tomorrow was uh, kind of we had the idea and the idea for what the liquid should be. And then we sought out and found that liquid. Yeah. Um, but that's really it. Like for Rise of the Robots. Like I said, that started, that's our rye. That's our 94 proof rye. And then we have Rise of the Robots. Extended cut is now the cask strength. Extended cut, when you see extended cut from us, it, it means cast strength. It's like when there's an extended cut of a movie, there's more scenes. For us, extended cut means more proof. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But Rise, Rise started with a title. And then I sat down one day and we were actually doing a, the business plan without the story yeah. yet. And then I just sat down one day and it just sort of hit me and I started writing and I wrote a treatment. For rise of the robots and uh it's like a two to the treatment's a two to three page story of a movie it's like before you write the script you write a story of the movie so you can get you know if you're working for a studio you can get approval to go write the script and that's what i wrote i started with the treatment and just kind of went from there i like that and moonlight mayhem we sort of had the story we definitely had the story before the title 
And so then we, we, I remember that me, Charlie and Rick was in that, the three of us, Charlie was in Atlanta. We were on zoom brainstorming that for hours until we came up with moonlight mayhem. Um, and then, um, but town at the end of tomorrow is, is very different because town at the end of tomorrow, I think I came up with that title and it was supposed to be a totally different story than it is, but that title has just been stuck in, in my head for a couple of years. And then um, I've like, this has to be, Town at the End of Tomorrow is a t- has to be a time travel story. I'm a Doctor Who nerd. It has to be a time travel story. And so it has to be an aged whiskey. It has to be an old whiskey because that's so integral to what the story is. So Town at the End of Tomorrow, the future wants its bourbon is the tagline. And it's a nine-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon. And it's our first Kentucky, you know, pure 100% Kentucky product. And uh, even though we, everything we do in Kentucky, some of the liquid comes from other places. But, um, and that's, I'll tell you the story real quick and you'll get the sense, but Town at the End of Tomorrow takes place in Bardstown in Kentucky, about 40, 50 years in the future when aged bourbon has run out and it's caused riots and violence. So the government steps in and passes what they call the Unbonded Act, which means when bourbon turns two years old, you have to sell it. You can't let it age further. So our heroes are a couple of cousins, they're fifth generation distillers, and they miss aged bourbon. So they turn their um, distillery into a time machine, travel back to Bardstown in 1820, where they have to borrow the aged bourbon and bring it to the future. So that in that case, the story and the liquid are really intertwined with each other. I really love that. And I, I I actually didn't realize that connection, I guess, until you said it, because I was I was tasting these, as I mentioned it in, in preparation so that I can tell people what I think of them. And and it, it you can taste the age like I actually didn't know the age as I was doing this tasting. Um, I didn't have it in front of me at the time. And you can taste it. I mean, it tastes like it is it is a more aged bourbon um, than the uh, the oh, this town. At it, ta- this is town at the edge of tomorrow. The Moonlight yeah. Mayhem on my left hand side here, which is still it's got a very uh, sweet forward palette to it. Um, whereas the town at the edge of tomorrow has more of a, a dusty barrel kind of oaky note. Um, and, and I can totally see that connection. So is that moving forward, something you guys are kind of striving for is to get the two more and more connected and, and develop the stories or, or, or what's your guys' plan for that? Look, if you, if you asked our head of marketing, he would say, yes, <laughs> yeah. he's always pushing us. He's always pushing us to have a connection between the two and bourbon mm-hmm. plays into moonlight mayhem as well. And if we have a moment later, we'll tell you the story of that one, but absolutely we have, we have a, an endless list of ideas. I've been saying lately, we have more ideas than we will ever be able to put out as products in our lifetime. Um, so we're, you know, and then we keep coming up with new ideas. I can't tell you what it is, but Charlie came up with an idea last week that I freaking love. And so that will be a product one day, but we can't talk about it now. But okay. um, so that's, a, that's a new one that we weren't even planning on doing. And, we, and that concept, the liquid and the story are completely tied together. Right. So that's, we already, we like, we know the liquid and we know the story. It's like, it all happened at the same time, you know, uh, on that. And it's like a lot of writing process. We kind of riff, riff off of each other without even realizing it sometimes, because I was telling mm-hmm. him about this thing and this opportunity and we could do this. And we had this very old idea for a liquid that was kind of like this. And then all, all of that somehow fed into Charlie's brain and I'm on an airplane and I get a, a text from him with this story and I'm like, oh my gosh. My response, what did I say? I said, I kind of love this. Yeah, that was yeah I kind of love it. Yeah, I woke up with it in my head. It was like that morning I woke up with it in my head and was like, all right, I got to find some time to quick write these down before I forget it. 
Um, so yeah. Wow. And so then what is, uh, let's go ahead and get into it. What's the connection with the uh, Moonlight Mayhem? What? Sure. So Moonlight Mayhem, Moonlight Mayhem, a saga of werewolves and bourbon. <laughs> so this takes place in a world where the dominant species on the planet are werewolves. And humans have been separated off into their own neighborhoods and have to stay separate. And our hero, Tommy, who's on the bottle there, he's a human who works at the local bourbon dive bar on Hollywood Boulevard called The Den. And it's where all the werewolves hang out at night. It's, it's, it's a little like American graffiti. The werewolves all go cruising on Hollywood Boulevard and hang out at the den. So Tommy goes to work one day and he sees this beautiful woman, Sylvain, at the bar. And it's like love at first sight. Turns out she's the sister of the leader of the pack of the werewolves. And now they're in love and she has to decide whether she wants to marry him or have him for lunch. So it's sort of, we, we, we call it Romeo and Juliet with fangs. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, that's another entertaining aspect of this because you guys provide a lot of the background of the movies on your website. And that kind of gives a more fun way to research the whiskey when you're drinking it. Um, whereas, you know, I, I'm always, I've always said I'm a geek for, for the website of the whiskey that I'm drinking, looking it up, seeing what the notes are, seeing the, what the background is. Uh, and so that's kind of a fun twist on it that you've got this kind of story that goes with it and it and it makes it a little bit uh yeah it's like a layer to it that other ones don't really have now yeah on the, on the bottle we have like on one side of the bottle left side is all about the story so it's got a synopsis of the movie it's got the characters their headshots their bios and then it does have a qr code which you scan you go to the website where you can get trailer for the movie you get storyboards i don't know if you've been to the website recently because in a few weeks ago we put storyboards up okay um, yeah, like extensive storyboards, really fun sort of interactive uh, for the movie. We also have script pages from the movie that you can read and you can download the movie poster if you want. In addition wow. to, of course, we have merchandise so you can buy the shirts and you can buy the movie posters and all of that as well. <laughs> and I mean, Charles what a, got wrong. Yeah, I mean, what a cool <laughs> idea for people who are who are also intrigued by movies. The, the film and whiskey guys, I mean, they didn't have enough or they they couldn't say enough good things about it. They they, they thought it was yeah, so awesome. Like, and Bob and Brad, we like those guys. That yeah, was the first awesome. podcast we did when we launched last year. Yeah. Yes, they are great guys. I I talked to them for quite a while uh, down at Kentucky Bourbon Festival, and and they like I said, they didn't have a they couldn't say enough good things about it. It was it, it's such an interesting take, and I think for this dry January, that's one of the reasons I felt this episode was so fitting is because you can kind of get a a quick deep dive into you know a, a movie lover's life, the types of things you can look at, and in those storyboards and things like that that somebody who just casually consumes movies might not typically look into. Um, and, and that makes it really exciting. But turning to the, the liquid in the bottles, as you said, the liquid is the story. Uh, I got two bottles in front of me here. What are your guys' personal favorites and why? What do you like about the flavors of these? Charlie, you want me to take that? Yeah, so you go first, Troy. <laughs> what I was going to say, it was actually a great transition because I was thinking, you know, we are talking about the packaging and the branding and the stories, which are integral. But if the liquid in that bottle isn't as amazing as what's on the bottle, then we're not doing what we set out to do, which is create, you know, repeat and lifetime fans and, and consumers, right? We don't want to just sell one bottle. We want to sell, we want this to be somebody's uh, go-to. Um, mm -hmm. So everything that we put on the market originally, Moonlight Mayhem, Moonlight Mayhem Extended Cut, Rise of the Robots, those have all won either gold or double gold medals at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, as well as gold medals at other competitions. Um, the new products we haven't had a chance to submit yet, but Rise of the Robots Extended Cut, which many people 
believe is even better than our rise of the robots, which is a, a fun debate we like to have. And then town at the end of tomorrow as well. So we'll, we'll hopefully get a chance to submit those uh, early next year. Um, in terms of favorite, it's hard because, you know, it's like people ask that all the time. It's like, well, now you're like asking me to pick my favorite kid, right? Mm -hmm. I have one. I just can't talk about it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but it, it, it really varies because, you know, we fall in love with the new thing like everybody else. But that, that Moonlight Mayhem that's in front of you, just every time we have it, it just gets better and better. Right. And then we, we spent a long time in love with Moonlight Mayhem Extended Cut. It, it gets reviewed like it, in the winter edition of Whiskey Advocate this year. Uh, they reviewed 150 different whiskeys. We tied for first place for best bourbon with that. Wow. And uh, and an American whiskey magazine, Peggy No Stevens, who many of your listeners may know who she is, founder of Women in Bourbon, very influential reviewer and, and, and whiskey expert. Uh, she gave that uh, Moonlight Mayhem Extended Cut a 9.1 which the last thing I found that she gave something similar to that ended up winning whiskey of the year, the year she did it. So it was wow. very high praise. We, you know, we brag about it. It was very high praise and very grateful for that. But I'd say right now it's between the two bottles. I know it's going to seem like I'm, it's a setup, but the two bottles in front of you are probably competing for my favorite right now, even though Charlie and I are both, and I'll let you do, we're both big rye guys, really big rye guys. But right now I'm, I'm kind of in love with both of those, but Charlie, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go the other way and it's with product that isn't in front of Chris right now, but we are both big rye guys. Um, <clears throat> you know, when we created Rise of the Robots, regular proof, 94 proof, we, our intent was to create a blend that, that we, you know, not everybody loves rye the same way they love bourbon, right? Like there are a lot more bourbon drinkers than there are like rye drinkers. And so mm -hmm. our intent in creating Rise of the Robots was to create a more approachable rye. We wanted something that, you know, like, you know, when, when an average drinker gave it a shot and tasted it would maybe be like, you know what? I don't normally like rye, but I really like this. And it was kind of, um, it, it was actually great to have that reinforced at, at Bardstown when we went to, when we did the bourbon festival, because a lot of people would come up and go, you know what? I don't drink rye. Thanks, but I'm not going to try it or all right, fine. I'll try it. But and then we heard a lot of people go, you know what? I actually like that okay, or I really like that, even though I don't normally like rye. Um, when we created the extended cut, the high proof version of Rise of the Robots, the intent was to create like the rye that we would drink. So looking for the flavor profiles, Troy and I both like very minty ryes. Like when you taste a bunch of, like you'll find certain rye barrels um, and we've tasted like obscene amounts of barrels now over the last couple of years. And anytime we find one of those barrels that's like really minty, we're always like, all right, make a note on this one. Um, and so when we, when we did rise of the robots extended cut, we specifically, it was like, this would be what we would drink. You know, if, if we were pouring for ourselves, we also both tend to drink more high, you know, like higher proof, um, you know, products dependent upon the mm -hmm. occasion, I guess. So I really think Rise of the Robots extended cut turned out great. It it is a fantastic high proof rye, which I know isn't for everybody, but if you know like for, for people who like it um and do like kind of that minty, you know, like notes to a rye, um for me it's a home run. It's like I I'm very, very happy with the way it turned out. So, and I don't even have a bottle because it, it was a limited release, right? You know, like we took it to Bardstown. Um, Troy's coming out in December and I'm really counting on him to bring me a couple of bottles of Rising <laughs> Cut. 
Yes. Yeah. We, we are, we are not on shelves yet in Georgia right. where Charlie lives. We do, we ship from our website to 43 States. So, okay. um, yeah, so we, we can, and I, we can ship to Georgia, I believe. We, um, so you know yeah, what, Charlie, yeah. buy a bottle, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I, which I've done <laughs> more right. than once. We've, all, we've actually all bought our own bottles occasionally. Yeah. Um, but, but we ship to 43 States. We're on shelves and back bars in six States about to be seven. So we're in California, okay. Nevada, Arizona, uh, Washington, Alaska, Kentucky, and we're just going to be launching in the beginning of December in Kansas. Okay. That's exciting. I mean, that's that's really exciting to see that progress over just a few short years. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we've been on the market a year. We launched September of 22. Oh, geez. Yeah, I guess I'm talking yeah. business plan, which is way before business the launch. Yeah, so. two, yeah, it, was yeah. Two, it was two years of development before we launched. But yeah, Right. Now, you mentioned the the tasting for the, the Rise of the Robots extended cut. So is it simply a cask strength version of the Rise of the Robots or is it a slightly different blend as well? It's it's actually a completely different blend. So okay. um, same mash bill, but different okay. barrels, different blends. So our blending team is okay. myself, Charlie, and one of our other partners, uh, Steve Canepa, who uh, who does plays a lot of different roles. He's our CFO, but he's also as big of a whiskey nerd as the two of us. Uh, <laughs> we really, actually, when Charlie mentioned earlier that we would invite people or people would try and invite themselves onto our Kentucky trips, and we scared them off. We invited Steve onto one of our Kentucky trips and we tried to scare him off and we couldn't. So he's been to Kentucky with us now two or three times. Yeah. And he he hits his limit. He's like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm done for the day. <laughs> right. But uh, but so the three of us are, are kind of the core blending team here. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we we taste every barrel that we have. We have a lot of barrels. We taste every we try and taste them at least once a year if we can. Um, and we have an extensive database of notes on all those barrels. And so we know there are certain barrels that blend a certain way and we, you know, we go at it trying to achieve something. So each time we create a new product, we spend a lot of time messing around to get the profile we want. And then we Mm -hmm. see if we can recreate it as close as possible with other barrels. So we know this is something we can, you know, sustain. Every batch is different, but if we can get it similar enough and, and that's, that's sort of what we did. So Rise of the Robots extended cut, that's, that's our most recent product. That was the first blend of that came two years after the first blend of, of Moonlight Mayhem and yeah. regular rise. So okay. Totally okay. Yeah. I, I, I do want to speak to the liquid in the bottle for a second for those listening. Cause I always mention that I, I don't have anybody on the podcast that I don't enjoy their, their whiskey because that would just to me be kind of selling out a little bit, but I, I want to speak to it because when I, when I walked up, obviously, like I said, the labels, the posters, it all caught my eye. And anytime you see a good label or a good bottle, I, I have a couple of bottles that stand out really unique. Um, it, you always have to say, is it, am I paying for the bottle? Is this going to be a little bit gimmicky? You know, what is this? And when I tried it, it, it distinctly has a sweetness and a body to it. And you mentioned those awards. So I think those speak for themselves, but for the, you know, the folks listening who I guess value my opinion for whatever reason, uh, <laughs> the, the, the two things that really stand out to me is the sweetness on the front of the palate, which makes it really inviting and the body. It, you're not having to hunt out flavors. They're there. I mean, it, it really coats your palate with flavor. And I think I'm, I'm guessing those are two of the reasons for the success of the whiskey. 
And I don't want to keep talking about it and making the listeners drool because it's dry January and they might be participating. Uh, but but that that's, I guess, my reasoning behind why I really enjoy especially these two bottles in front of me um, for those listening who might want to try that here in February as, as it's getting closer. So in the in the spirit of dry January, I want to change gears a little bit. I want to get in the mind of movie lovers just for these last few minutes. And I really want to talk about movies uh, and and try to put myself in the shoes of a movie lover so that people finishing out dry January can watch movies to take their mind off of these bottles that I just reviewed. So I'll ask you guys. I'm very curious what what's your favorite comedy what's your favorite action movie and what's your favorite all-time movie and maybe we'll stagger those um in order to in order to uh keep it back and keep it in one genre at a time so we'll start with you troy what's your favorite comedy that you've watched um i tend uh to lean towards romantic comedies i mean i like crazy fun comedies of, of all kind i like sophisticated comedy um but um romantic comedies just always hit a note with me so like it would have to be between like when Harry met Sally and the American president, those two movies I could watch over and over again. I just love those movies. So for comedy, the, the, those are my choices. I, okay. I would have guessed you were going to say the American president. Actually, I remember you've watched that a million times. It was funny. Like this is almost like, you know, when Troy said earlier, having to pick between your favorite kids, because, you know, there's classic comedies from like a million years ago. And then there's like, you know, what have I seen more recently? I tend to like, you know, like the the more like raunchy kind of over the top comedies. Um, you know, I've watched There's Something About Mary a million times. That movie every time will make me laugh hysterically. But, you know, at the same time, if I go back, like even predating myself and I'm pretty old, like I can watch Monty Python movies over and over and <laughs> over again until the cows come home. Just, you know, like there's. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot watch, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail too many times, even right. if you get to the point where you're just, you know, saying the lines along with them. So, so I, you know, I don't know one of those, I guess. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I remember. Uh, and actually when Harry met Sally is on my, my watch list currently. So I want to give some credit where credit's due. I, I need to watch that. Um, but also Monty Python and the Holy Grail when I was in like, seventh or eighth grade is when i first saw it and those movies that i think really kicked off my my love for like spoofs like like movies that are just you know um i don't know if anybody if you guys have seen tucker and dale versus evil but that's another spoofy type movie that's just i I love that movie um i i'm not as much of a movie buff as i am a tv series buff so i watch a lot of tv shows um but that just that came to mind when you said that um the, I, i'll never forget the first time seeing the killer bunny rabbit scene and the, oh, yeah. the bunny rabbit jumps up and is if, if you have if you're listening and you haven't seen it you need to go watch that scene is what i'll say <laughs> uh but okay so the next one that i had is action movies oh let me let me cushion the blow a little bit i know how hard it is to pick favorites i get asked my favorite whiskey three times a week probably and i never have a good answer and the answer is different probably every time but when i say your favorite action movie what comes to mind like what what's at the forefront when i say that star wars oh okay star wars yeah yeah that's it's not the greatest movie ever made and if you go back and watch it there are times where like ah this is dragging a little bit but it was so meaningful like i was you know star wars one after logan's run was one of the first movies i saw in the theater and that movie, you know, when you're that age and in that generation, it changes your life. 
like that something like that could be possible. You know, I watched mm -hmm. Star Trek on TV, but this was totally different. And that, you know, and I loved like when my son, you know, was four or five years old, getting him to watch Star Wars for the first time and getting him to fall in love with it. And it just, it'll always be extremely special to me. Now I am trying to convince my wife to watch all the Star Wars movies. So <laughs> important question, what order do we go in? I, oh. I have a personal opinion, but what's the order, at least for the, the six? What's, all what's right. The so I, I made a definite, this, this is a great conversation because I made a definite decision <laughs> with my son and this is long, my son's 19 now. So this is when he was four or five. Okay. You're going to watch them the way I watched them, right? You're going to watch four, five, six, one, two, three. And then this was before, you know, seven, eight, nine or whatever. But, um, mm -hmm. and, and that's how we watched them. And he was a little young when we got to, uh, uh, what is it? Revenge of the Sith. He, he, you know, that frightened him. So he didn't watch it again for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. But so he just, it's so funny. He's 19. He's up at college. Uh, he lives with his girlfriend and he has made his girlfriend watch all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> like yeah. it was a big deal. They did it. It took him a few weeks, right. To mm -hmm. go through it. And, um, and he, he and I had this whole like argument because he went in numerical order. He went one, started at one and went all the way up through, you know, um, um, nine or whatever it is. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I was like, you shouldn't be doing that. That's not how it's done. And he was, doing, I'm like, that's not how I raised you. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> right. But he, I, that's I, how he wanted to do it. I feel so validated by that because I've gone back and forth with my friends and you're a writer. So I'm going to go out and say you have more authority on this than my friends. do. <laughs> but I say they were released that way, that that's how I'm supposed to watch them. And I've, yeah. I did the same thing with Marvel because there's some Marvel stuff that gets a little bit confusing. But I'm like, I'm watching them the way that they were released. Right. So that I'm, I'm validated by that. And I'm going to convince my wife to at least watch the first. I said at least watch the first six. And I guess another hot topic here while we're on the subject is what are your opinion on on the, the new ones ever since Disney took over? Well, so I am not a huge fan of the, the prequels of one, two and three. Okay. That's a, that's another reason I talked to my son. I'm like, if you start someone on those and they're not a little kid, you may turn them off before they ever get to New Hope, right? So yeah. because I am not like the Jar Jar Binks and the robots and, Count Dooku you know, riding his cheesy like scooter right. off into the <laughs> right. <laughs> like right. Like uh not a big fan of those movies. Revenge of the Sith got a little better, like it had some more drama to it and the some of the mm -hmm. acting and the writing in those movies. Sorry, George Lucas, because you're a genius, but not in writing those movies. Um, so, yeah, no. Uh, so and I actually was a fan, particularly of. Um, uh, 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 sorry, what's it called? Um, Is it Rogue One? Oh, oh, my gosh. No, no. Well, Rogue One was great. But uh, uh, the, the first of the new ones. Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm drawing a blank. Seven. What was. Honestly, I don't know the name the, of it off the top uh, of my head. Uh, I don't know. Ray, the one oh, with Ray, the one with yeah, Ray. the one where we Ray. introduce Ray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm exactly. Only drawing a blank right now. I'll look that up as we go, though. But okay, so you like that one a lot. Then. The Force Awakens. Oh my gosh, Force that's it. That's it. it. The that's Force it. Awakens. Um, yeah, I love the Force Awakens. I thought J.J. Abrams did a perfect job of moving the story forward, keeping it like like honoring what was there, both visually as well as the writing and the dialogue. But so keeping us anchored in that, but making us feel safe and comfortable to move forward into a new world with it mm -hmm. and getting engaging story engaging. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I loved it. 
just like I loved his remake of Star Trek, which already needs to be remade. But I loved it. I thought uh, I thought it was fantastic. The next one, not so much. The last one was okay too. I enjoyed mm-hmm. them, but I thought the first one was great. Okay. Charlie. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So I really enjoyed the newer ones. That said, you mentioned Rogue One. I think Rogue One is arguably the best Star Wars movie since like Empire Strikes Back. I love Rogue One. I thought it was a I fantastic well-made movie like love the look of it love it just it had a great personality to it and and it inspired a great spin-off tv series as well right have you finally watched andor i'm still working my way through it but right. <laughs> the episodes so, i've watched yeah, i'm waiting good. for him like, we have a very strong no spoilers policy between us and we oh, talk I about bet. tv and movies almost every day so you know that's why i knew he hadn't uh, finished quite finished it yet but yeah because imagine rogue one is a prequel that inspired a prequel series and the series was as good if not better than rogue one yeah like you know it was just so yeah why I'm i i haven't watched the series but i know i mean when i went to see rogue one i was like that is a really quality film especially i mean there's no secret that at least the past few years films haven't been the greatest in the world and and that one i was just like that was a really quality movie so I, w- I do want to give Charlie a chance, though. If it's not Star Wars, what is your favorite? <laughs> so, I mean, again, like you said, it's hard. You ask on any given day, it's hard to say. And if you asked me yesterday, mm-hmm. maybe I would have said Star Wars. But now that Troy has said it, I don't know. The Matrix, you know, like the very first Matrix movie, I can't tell you how many times I went to the theater to see The Matrix and just absolutely loved, you know, like The Matrix was so unlike anything that came before it. Now it feels rote when you see, you know, bullet time and all of that. Now it feels so cliche. But at the time, there was nothing remotely like that in visual effects. And everything about, you know, it became as they went on, they became convoluted and impossible to follow and understand and all that. But that first one really changed everything. And then I don't know, I would also say um, this is a cheat and and I'm going to sound like a a total fanboy. But uh, I love the John Wick movies. If you're just talking straight action. They check all the boxes, just like kick ass, like beat up everybody, shoot everybody, stab like that is. And I've watched all of those a million times as well because they're just so much. No, no spoilers, because I'm actually watching those over Christmas break. When I have time off, I'm going to be watching those with my father. So I'm so excited. (laughs) I didn't spoil anything other than like shoot, kick ass like then that's right. I, if you have Which, seen the poster you know what you're in for <laughs> exactly <laughs> i think i yeah if, if you've seen the poster if you've seen videos of of walking or not walking phoenix i always confuse the two keanu reeves yeah. just training i mean i always confuse those two names though because they're so unique but oh my gosh seeing him in real life like shooting the guns is like oh my gosh yep yeah. uh yeah, no, both great options. And I will give my seal of approval to those listening trying to get through uh, dry January, the Star Wars movies and uh, the first Matrix, at least. I also the second two, they kind of decreased for me. Like the second one, I'm like, eh, third one, I'm like, eh. Yeah. but that first one, like you said, what a what a movie that gets you just thinking. You're like, whoa, like what what is this? You know, so yeah. unique like you said, wasn't a cliche yet. A lot of those things they did weren't cliches. Now to round it out, because I I do have to let you guys go real quickly, at least if I say your favorite movie of all time, unless it's one of those ones we already talked about. If I say your favorite movie of all time, what comes to mind? Do you want to go first, John? I'll go first and just like take the hit (laughs) because (laughs) he's heard me answer this before. So my favorite movie of all time that I've watched um, uh, deep in my heart, I'm still like that 
that eight-year-old kid that I mentioned that, you know, at the top of this, going to the movie theater to see the matinee. And so this is a movie that came out a jillion years, like, I don't know, in the two, early 2000s. But really? I've watched it a million times. I will cry at the end every time. Babe, not the baseball player, babe, but the talking pig, babe. I can <laughs> yeah. watch babe. If it's on TV, I'll stop. I'll watch it. I'll cry at the end every single time when he says, that'll do pig. Like, I absolutely adore the movie, babe. <laughs> That's awesome. What a unique pick. Okay. And now yeah, what's and yours, what, Troy? What Charlie won't tell you is one of the careers we had together and the companies we had together. When the when we were building that entertainment company for America Online, Charlie was running the interview studio for us, and he got to interview James Cromwell, who was the star of Babe, and got to tell him uh, that story. And he, so during the interview, Charlie told him that story. And at the end of the interview, what did James Cromwell say to you? Well, it was actually my very first on-camera interview. And I kind of said at the end, you know, like, this was my first interview. You know, how'd it go? And yeah, James Cromwell said, that'll do, Charlie. That'll do. And it made me very, very happy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a full circle moment. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. So mine's a quick, easy answer. It's Casablanca. I just think okay. there are very few perfect movies that have ever been made. And I think that movie is perfect. And okay. just, I, I love watching that movie. And I, I, it's funny, Charlie just made a reference to something. When people ask me what my favorite movie is, my favorite bourbon, of course, like we've all said, it's hard, but this is how I define my favorite movie is a movie you can watch over and over and over again. Like you're flipping channels and you come in halfway through and you can't move. You just watch it to the end. It doesn't matter right? That is, yes. and I think bourbon is the same way. It's a bourbon you can keep going back to, you know, almost regardless of your mood, just like, oh, well, that's a bourbon I would drink under any occasion at any yep. time. So it's a favorite, even if it's not like the highest rated or the most expensive or whatever it is, it's just something you can keep going back to. What a great way to put that. I'm gonna have to keep that in mind next time somebody asks me my favorite. I'm gonna be like, what What can I just drink? The problem is there's a few that I can, but I just, right. I like to go with the knee jerk. Well, the first one that comes to your mind is always the best. And then you overthink it and then you come back to the first one. That came to What's mind. your favorite bourbon, Chris? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Obviously, it's uh, Town at the wow. Edge of Tomorrow. Well <laughs> no, no, these are both excellent bottles though. Um, and I'm really excited to see what you guys have coming out. That's that's one of the things that's so exciting about this brand is you get to be excited for the storyline and then to try the bourbon. So it's like or the whatever whiskey it is that you guys are blending. It, it's very exciting. Right. And so you before have, we go, one quick plug. Yes. Please follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram at Filmland Spirits. Yes. And, uh, you can also join our mailing list when you go to our website. You'll get greeted right away to join it. We're constantly sending out coupon codes and uh, specials and exclusives and things like that. Yes, absolutely. And I will throw that at in the show notes as well so that you guys can go check them out. Um, go give them a follow. Look up the storylines. Look up the background of these bottles. And if you want to buy yourself one, I like I said, I recommend them. I don't have them on the show if I don't recommend them. So uh, definitely give these a try. And you guys have given me some movies that I will maybe save for dry January. Or maybe that's when I can convince my wife to watch the Star Wars movies. We'll see. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> we'll idea. see how that goes. Kill about well, 15 hours or so. Yeah. 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 That'll, that, that's a little bit of time in dry January to, right. to not be focused on the fact that I can't review any of the whiskeys sitting in my studio that just gathered dust. Right. Um, but th this this conversation's been great, guys. I appreciate the background. I I love to dig into a brand that I like and really learn about where it came from and, and learn all those background details. And I know a lot of the people listening do as well. 
So thank you for this conversation. And uh, thank you guys for both coming on. But I don't want to keep you any any longer. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you need more Whiskey Noobs content in your life, make sure you check out our Patreon page in the show notes. And if you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review. It only takes a couple of minutes, and they're way more helpful than people realize. If you want to do tastings alongside the show, make sure you join the email list by sending an email to whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail.com with a subject line that says email list. You'll receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at Whiskey underscore Noobs and on TikTok at Whiskey Noobs Podcast. Once again, thank you guys for listening. The Whiskey Noobs Podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.